Now quickly bow down your head and pray. Say, Father, open my eyes to see. Give me understanding. Very quickly pray that prayer. Open my eyes to see and give me understanding. Open my eyes to see, Lord, and give me understanding. Open my eyes to see and give me understanding. Open my eyes. Let me see what it is. Let me see the advantage I have with this relationship. Let me see what this relationship entails in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Now let's do some initial work and then we'll go into what I want to really teach you this morning. When we talk about fatherhood, like I said when I was welcoming you into the service, it has nothing to do with husbands. A father is not a husband. Now, by the design of life, for people, life happens. And so they have become, in fact, the word fatherhood does not also only suggest the one who has given birth. Amen. It does not suggest that. The word fatherhood comes from, in fact, the word it was translated from, which brought us the language in English called fatherhood, is one who has the ability to pass on. Ability to what? Pass on. And when I say pass on, I'm not talking about ability to die. But ability to, when I say pass on, to give out something. They have the ability to give out. So let's use that word properly. They have the ability to what? And it's important. I mean, sometimes, especially when you go on the net, you are going to see all kinds of attacks. It is not scriptural. It is not in the Bible. And I wonder what those people are reading. Because sonship and fatherhood is all over the pages of the Bible. Now, one of the things that helps us to, to, to be able to interpret the Bible very well is one of the basic laws in theology. It is called the law of first mention. Now, why do we need the law of first mention? Jesus, as he walked on the surface of the earth, even in his teaching, made reference to what we call the law of first mention. Where did he make mention? In Matthew chapter 5, don't go there. It's not my main script. I'm just trying to prepare your mind so that your biases will drop before we start the message. Because if the prejudice is there, you won't catch anything. You need to drop your, your, your prejudice and your bias. Now, in Matthew chapter 5, we are told that Jesus was consulted about the issue of marriage. In fact, I think it's Luke rather, not Matthew. The Pharisees had their problems with Jesus, the Pharisees. But that was not all there was. There's another sect called Sadducees. Their problems were far bigger. Whilst the Pharisees were arguing with Jesus on spiritual things, the Sadducees were arguing with Jesus on physical things. So they came to Jesus and said that, look, when a man dies and he's married, and the wife marries his brother, has the wife committed adultery? What kind of question is that? You just said the man is dead. <laughs> so, I mean, and these were the people in Jesus' days. It's not strange that people will take on the, they'll, they'll take the internet, come and sit on social media and make all kinds of claims. That's why you don't have to pay attention to those things. You need to rather build yourself privately so you guard, you safeguard your heart, you safeguard your spirit, safeguard your relationship with God from any form of contamination. Let's make progress. So, when they came, they said, Jesus, can a man divorce his wife? This is what they said. Can a man divorce his wife? And listen to what Jesus said. He didn't just say no. He said, in the beginning, 
it was not so. What was in the beginning? A man shall leave his father and mother and cling to his wife and they shall be one. What is one? Can you divide it? Come in. Come in. We, we, we don't divide what is one. Sometimes it is true. It's called a pair. But the Bible says marriage is not a pair. Marriage is a, a, a system. I mean, I don't know the word to, to use, but marriage has to do with, it's a mystery. It is the only equation where you put two things together and they dissolve into each other and become one. So, so those of you here who believe that you have love in your heart, but you don't want to lose your individuality, you cannot marry. I won't break it down. If I was teaching on marriage, I would have broken it down. Because in the equation of marriage, when two people come together, they are no longer seen as two different people. They are one. So if right now the guy you are dating, the lady you are seeing, and I've told you Christians, we don't date. The guy who is your friend, the boy who is your friend, the lady who is your friend, already is showing signs that he or she doesn't agree with you. Walk away. Because that is a sign that disaster is waiting for you. The whole system of marriage is not even about accommodation. It is about the fact that you must be lost in each other and find yourself in a new identity, which is in the image of Christ. That is why Paul said in the book of Ephesians 5 that as Christ loved the church, so, you see, so we are not separated. We are one. I'm saying some things. It's not for the faint-hearted. No, because sometimes our own family system has also helped these things. Oh, it doesn't matter. In every marriage, there are challenges. See, when we talk about challenges in marriage, we are not talking about stupidity. Some of the things people are experiencing are stupidity. You put your phone down, you go to the bathroom. By the time you come, your wife or husband is searching through your phone. What are you looking for? Is it not a fight? And you will get. What are you looking for? And most of our cultural encouragement into the union of marriage are seriously stupidity. You can clearly see that this journey, it will not end well. But they say, oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Go. Who told you? Listen, when a vehicle on top speed eh, past a tire, that vehicle doesn't remain the same. And love is speed. Daniel Abbey, am I speaking the truth? <laughs> I'm talking about the vehicle. <laughs> it doesn't, listen, let's face the truth and stop all this I'm managing. So you are in something and, and sometimes people ask, people say they are married but their eyes are somewhere. Not because they lack character but they get joy somewhere. They feel that they are themselves somewhere. Then why are you where you are? I put it to you that you need examination upstairs. I am the one. You have shown me mercy. You have shown me mercy. Can we go on? So Jesus, now sorry I digressed, but you need this information. You need these things. Listen. Don't try, don't say, Pastor, I'll enter. When I enter and it's not good, I'll come out. Divorce never leaves you the same. Don't try it. As a counselor, I can tell you that when you 
are relating with people who are divorced, there is one default page. They are always suspicious. So you will inherit somebody's pain when you are not the cause of that pain. When you are not the cause of it. Don't joke with these things. It's not just, oh, pastor, I think I love him. I think I can manage it. Don't think. Don't think. Be sincere. Can you manage it? Oh boy, if you can't, let's, let me tell you something. In this life, eh, there is somebody somewhere whose stupidity you won't even see. They may be the most stupid person the world has ever seen, but you can't see. It is not that life is blind, though. Love is not blind. Life sees. Love sees. It is because woman. I'm not, I'm not talking about marriage, I'm talking about fatherhood. So I was saying that even Jesus used the law of what first mentioned. Amen. By, re, by what? Referring to the subject. He didn't give a straight answer, yes or no. He says, look, for us to answer whether a, a man should divorce, a woman should divorce, let's go back to how it is. Because I've always maintained you can never become a better you when you don't discover the real you. Betterment is a product, a function of discovery. If you don't know who you are, everything goes. Amen. So, we must go into the law of first mention. It helps us. The law of first mention simply means, when was the first time God talked about a matter? When was the first time? And when we want to talk about fatherhood straight away, we see it in the garden. The Bible says the Lord God created a man and he put him in the garden and said, dress it and keep it. So a father is somebody who inherits, owns, and is able to pass it on successfully. Now, in that context, or in that light, we can begin to now talk about father as people who must give birth or who must have children. Now, when we are talking about own, inherit own, and pass on, certainly there must be somebody to receive it. You understand? And even in that, in God's wisdom, the mode of passing on inheritance is not only through biological means. Am I communicating? Hello? So we must understand that God has always had somebody to hold something or receive something from him who will now pass it on to somebody. So we see a father made, but it was not so strong. So this father was made, and we all know from chapter 4 of Genesis how they gave birth, and then there was a lot of evil that took place. And then when God decided to restart the process, this time he didn't just open it. He called a man called Noah. That's the first time we see God directly dealing with a man and telling him that through you, all the people after you will be blessed. Amen. So fatherhood is somebody who stands in the gap between God and man. And in fact, Jesus is the ultimate father. He is. But Jesus works through men. Am I communicating? 
Am I communicating? Are you learning something this morning? So let's look at it. Let me give you my introduction. I said, okay, let's read 1 Kings chapter 2, 1 to 4. Remember I said that a father is someone who stands between the gap. He receives from God and passes it on. He receives from God. So this father does not necessarily need children from his own body. It could be children adapted and we will get into all that. So let's, let's just make progress. First Kings chapter 2, verse 1 to 4. Now the days of David drew near that he should die. And he charged Solomon his son saying, so you see father son here. Now don't just dwell on the sonship here because those days every king was also a priest. So they, they didn't need to refer to children who were directly just born to them. And you, you must understand that if this fatherhood thing was strictly, um, I mean, uh, going to uh, operate by just a child from your loins, Solomon wouldn't have qualified. Because there were real children of David. He was, but he was out of the scope God had designed that children should come from a father. But that's not what we are talking about this morning. So he says, verse 2, I go the way of all the earth, simply saying I'm about to die. Be strong therefore and prove yourself a man. And what did he mean by that? Verse 3, and keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, to com- his commandments, his judgments, and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do, and wherever you turn, watch the verse 4, watch the verse 4, that the Lord may fulfill his word, which he spoke concerning me. So David was the recipient and he was the one who was supposed to what? Pass it on. He was telling Solomon that to succeed as I have succeeded, to be able to be influential and fruitful and walk in all that God has promised, you must look to me as your father. Isn't that strange? Was it David who was going to be the king? No, it was Solomon. But remember, he was receiving an inheritance. So for an inheritance to be properly passed on to you, there must be a connection. In Genesis chapter 12, God said the same thing about Abraham. Genesis 12 verse 1 to 3, quickly. Let's read, then I'll give you my introduction. We'll go into the message. I'll finish it. It's plenty, but I need to finish it today. Now the Lord had said to Abraham, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a... Can you give what you don't have? You shall be what? A blessing. Verse 3. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be not saved. Salvation is from Christ. But access to inheritance, you need a spiritual father. You need a father. Hallelujah. First Corinthians chapter 4 verse 15. I'm just introducing you to the subject. And then we will zoom into it. First Corinthians 
chapter 4 verse 15. We are talking about spiritual fatherhood. I think I've explained what fatherhood is. So let's now move into And I will give you reasons why you need a spiritual father. You need it. It is not imposed on you. You must choose. And if you choose a relationship, there are terms and conditions. They apply. Even your mobile phone that you use with your network providers. Are there not terms and conditions? Believers of today, we want everything free. There are terms and conditions. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Hallelujah. So you see, there is something, there is a connection, and there is a product. So let's look at it. I said fatherhood, like marriage, is God's idea of extending his dealings, covenant, and blessings for a man to people who have proven themselves to be true sons and daughters. I'll repeat that. Just follow me and write what you can write. Fatherhood, like marriage, is God's idea, not a Western idea, not any human idea. It is God's idea. Say it is God's idea. Now, do you know that the name Abraham means a father? But the prophetic word was that he would be a father of many nations. So God had to add Ham. Ham in the Hebrew means nations. So whenever you call Abraham, you are simply saying a father of many nations. Tap your neighbor, ask them, are you following what he is teaching? What is their response? The back, the back. What is the response there? Is it going well? Hallelujah. Fatherhood like marriage is God's idea of extending, say extending, his dealings, number one. Number two, covenant and blessing. Not blessings, blessing. God's idea of extending his dealings Covenant and blessing to a people who have proven themselves to be true sons and daughters. So if the world is celebrating Father's Day and all they are looking at as people who have given birth either in marriage or outside of marriage, I want you to know that there is more. And there can never be a counterfeit if the real thing does not exist. There is more. And the people of the church, we have access to the more. Let me do the definition one more time, finally. Fatherhood, comma, like marriage, comma, is God's idea of extending his dealings. Comma, covenant, Comma and blessing. Listen, there is something called the blessing. When you get, you will get every other thing called blessings. Unfortunately, the church chases the fruits of the blessing instead of looking for the blessing. Blessing is the incontrovertible right. 
to reproduce something. If you think incontrovertible is tough, it is there. <laughs> it is the incontestable right. Simply put, people may not agree, but their disagreement does not disqualify you. People may not like it, but their dislike will not disqualify you. People may not look at it and accept it, but it doesn't change what it is. You may not like color red, but has color red been erased? It is there. It's a color. In fact, the, 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 the artist will tell you if you take red out of the color, because it's a foundational color, a major basic color, you can't get any other color. Because it's out of it that all the artists, they are all shades of red. There are, I think, four, four, seven basic colors that you get all other colors from. Uh, red is one, gray is one, black is one, and then what you call uh, violet. But the actual name is zinc. Anyway, that's not what I'm teaching on. Let's make progress. So when we say that you are dealing with a spiritual father, this is who you should be looking out for. A person who God has dealt with. So again, quickly, not everybody can be a spiritual father. It's a calling. I wish I, I could tell you that everybody is a spiritual father. Luke 22, 28 to 30. So let me go over it quickly and then we'll read. Fatherhood or spiritual fatherhood like marriage is God's idea of extending his dealings, covenant and blessing for a people who have proven themselves to be true sons and daughters. It is loaded, isn't it? Very loaded. Very loaded. Now, I'm taking my time to teach because this subject has also been abused like the prophetic office. So much abuse when you talk about fatherhood in the church. Some churches have become brutals. Some churches because of the fatherhood. And sometimes church people, eh, all our two know who argue and punch us in anything. We can't see lies and deception. So sad. So, Luke chapter 22, and this is Jesus talking. Verse 28. But you are those who have continued with me in my trials. So you see, he is establishing the fact that I carry something, but I can't give it to just anybody. Let me give you an example. Pastor Andrew has a son called Arnold. I have a son called Ivan. No matter how much he loves Ivan, he cannot change Arnold's inheritance for Ivan. You know why? Because as a son, there are things he does, Ivan does not do. Come on, are we communicating? Are we, are we on the same? As a son, yesterday in the rain, I saw him walking down, down, and I said, Thank God for the first uh, example to what I want to teach. And whilst he was walking down, down the sun, and I know he loves my son, he was in the car sleeping because it was drizzling. But his father or mother might have sent him. And these are the things that connect you to what the spiritual father carries. And it is a product of his deep work with God. 
Are you learning something this morning? See, people have said fatherhood is a shortcut to greatness. I agree. But it depends on the price you are ready to pay. Because it does not just happen by calling somebody papa or daddy. And I love all of you who have sent me messages. There are some people who have not sent me messages, notably, and I have marked you. Oh, go back to First Kings chapter 2, verse 4. When, point, when, when, um, what do you call the name? When David told Solomon that you have to inherit the promise, but it is a promise made to me. He didn't stop there. He said, mark those who have made my reign difficult and kill them. So I've marked some of you because your silence is very suspecting. And then to those who have sent the messages, please, my memory is almost full. Send Momo. There is space there. There is space at the Momo. Send Momo. Don't laugh. Is the truth. Where now the check? Where now the check? So let's move on. Did you get the example? So Jesus said, You are the ones who have what? Continued with me in my listen. If you think today you can you 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 could be a better follower of Jesus, think again. It was not easy following Jesus. Just when you are about to celebrate how he opened a blind eye, then you hear people saying, no, he's a bastard. We don't know his father. There was always a controversy about the, the lordship of Jesus. So it was not an easy emotional journey for his followers. That is why he said, you have been with me in my world. Trials. As at this time, Jesus had not been arrested yet. So what trials was he referring to? To the rejections and the downward looking and the betrayals he had gone through but people still stood with him listen, if you want to benefit from a father as a ladder you must pay a price it doesn't just happen, unfortunately some of us we come close to fatherhood it is nice, but we don't understand that these men who are like God are also like men. And sometimes our weaknesses can really destroy you. That is why in my introduction, what I used to invite you to the service today, I said that it is one subject if you don't operate it spiritually, but operate from the flesh, it will destroy you. Because it's a dicey thing. Can you imagine in Matthew 20, 16, the Bible says that Jesus was just commending Peter. He said, yeah, 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 you are a man of revelation. He said, yeah, man, yeah, man, I caught it. I caught it, I caught it. I know you are from God. I know, I know. And the next thing, he said, get thee behind me, Satan. How many of us can I speak that language to? Oh, some of you will even call me and say, Pastor, tone down. Get thee behind me. Pastor, tone down tone down. You see, you can't talk to people like that. But you must understand that every level of relationship has a language. There are things I can tell Pastor Ivan and tell Pastor Mark and tell all the pastors. Some of you, you can't handle it. If I tell you, you commit suicide. Say, ah, the man, he doesn't care. Papa is too insensitive. It is because the level we are on you are not yet there. That's by the way. I seem to be going ahead of myself. I'm enjoying it though. So he says, but you are those who have continued with me in my trials. 29. We are reading to 30. I must finish this. Too. 
right now. 20 minutes is gone. And I bestow upon you a kingdom just as my father bestowed one upon me. So you see, this scripture confesses that spiritual fathers have received something from God and they must what? Pass it on. But it is not passed on to anybody automatically. You must qualify for it. And when you read the text, he talks about what he was going to do. Philippians 2, 19 to 22. There's one scripture that caught my attention so many years ago. And I don't joke with my spiritual father. Listen, Papa, has your spiritual father hurt you before? Yes, Reverend Grace knows. Big one. Sometimes he watches our service. And I'll speak the truth here. I felt offended. I won't tell you though. But I want you to know that occasions to be offended is normal. It's not out of the world. But if you know what you stand to gain from that relationship, you don't put your, your tail between your legs and run. You stay. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes, when your king is angry with you or offends you, don't leave his presence. See, these are things in scripture believers we must learn. Amen. Hallelujah. Am I preaching well? You don't need to. This is not a message that makes you just stand on your feet and shout. This is information and apply. Philippians 2, 19. He said, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly. That I also may be encouraged when I know your state. Why Timothy? Because there were a lot of people around Timothy around Paul. Why did he choose Timothy? Verse 20. He said, for I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. 21. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. 22. Scripture is strong meat. But you know his proving character. But you what? know his proving character that as a son with his father he served with me in the gospel amen hallelujah so fatherhood is not complete until the man becomes an avenue through whom God can dispense some serious inheritance to others who fulfill the conditions of true sons and daughters so we can say that fatherhood is God's way of passing on spiritual and physical achievements to those who have proven themselves as true sons and daughters. Hallelujah. Now, there are four types of fatherhood. Types of fatherhood. Number one, we have the biological father, the one who gave birth to you. We have the word biological father, the one who gave birth to you. Number two, we have the guardian father. These are people who will adapt you. They didn't give birth to you, but they saw you, they liked you and said from henceforth, I will take care of you and I will be a father to you. So number one, we have what? Biological father, the one whose name you bear. And then we have guidance, a guiding father. So you notice that even in the world we live, there are certain forms when you are about to feel, they have a, they have a space for a real father 
or they have a space for what? A guidance. Who is your guidance? Where my children went to school, when they are writing to us, they write, Dear Parent Stroke Guidance. Guardian. Sorry. It's a word. Because there are people who naturally did not. And it is not because, see, don't take scripture out of context. There were people God shut their womb. It doesn't mean God shuts people's wounds. Read the Bible in context. So don't go around saying that somebody has not given me because God has shut their womb. They are barren. They are not. Can I ask you a question? Pastor Mark, come. Pastor Valens, come. You are God. Okay, you are God. I say you are God. And the violence is your son. Every day, violence comes to you praying, Father, give me money. Father, give me money. And you want to give him the money, but you see what he cannot see. You see that when you give him the money, he may think that every ground in the world is like this room. So go and walk to the staircase. I need an usher. God, you stand there. Oh, I need a male usher. Follow him. Stand by this. Stand there. Stand at the door. At the door. Stand there. It's okay. Stand there. You face there. You don't need to look at me. Listen. Usher, go down. Can you imagine that this boy, sorry, this man of God, whose father is God, has been asking God for money because for him, the whole world is flat like this. But God sees that at that door, it is not flat. And if he gives him that money, he will trip and fall. Will he give him the money? By the strip, he will catch you. <laughs> Thank you. Have your seats. That's why when people are not receiving things, listen, get this, it's very important. There's a scripture the church even abuses, um, Isaiah 37. People say that the Hezekiah prayed to God and God said it, read further. What that boy God gave him, did to him. The boy was called Manasseh. He was the youngest king in Israel. At the age of eight, he became a king. And the Bible says he ruled for 47 years. Every year, his actions erased the good things his father did. By the time Manasseh was killed by God, Hezekiah was no longer remembered in Israel. This is meat. Chew. It will bless you. Do you know why God didn't do everything like milk? Because your jaws must be exercised. And that exercise comes through chewing meat. Good meat. Some meat are tough. Some things you drink. The Bible says drinking is for babies. Chewing is for mature people. So we have biological fatherhood, number one. Number two, we have guidance through fatherhood. And number three, we have vocational fatherhood. And I want to take your mind. Ghana is not common. In Nigeria, it's a very common thing where somebody decides to go and serve a master. In Ghana, we call them apprentice. But we don't do for them what masters do for apprentice. For instance, my daughter, one of my daughters, just learned how to sew. And we, what do you call it? We had to go and uh, pour her. <laughs> Thank you. We had to go and do what? Close her. Close her. <laughs> because she opened it by entering. We had to go and close it. 
Now, we have to, you have to graduate because you go and learn. Now, in Nigeria, what they do is that if you go into those things and you are done, and so it is not three years or four years, it's seven years straight. You learn and serve. When you are done and you are going, whatever you need to stand on your feet, like a shop, your madam or your boss will buy, will rent a shop for you, will buy for you a machine, will buy for you whatever will set you up as a good businessman. You see why Ghana people learn trade and they do the excel? Because we are not practicing the thing well. We are not practicing it well. Am I communicating? So in Nigeria, you even go, you can be a salesperson in somebody's shop for seven years. When you are leaving, they will set you up, give you whatever you need to go and start. Drivers and their mates, you you do become drivers' mates. Saturday and Sunday, they tell you to go to work, and you go and work. After seven years, they will give you a car. Go and start your own business. May God raise people who will practice this kind of vocational fatherhood. So when we talk about vocational fatherhood, this is what we are referring to. And then the fourth one, which I'm talking about, is spiritual fatherhood. Say spiritual fatherhood. Are you learning something? So let's quickly go through the types of fatherhood that exist. Biological fatherhood. And then we have guidance. Those who guard, they are guardian. Your guardian father. You have a vocational father. And you have a spiritual father. Now, amongst these four, the most important is the spiritual father. The spiritual father can give you what your earthly father denied you of. The spiritual father can lead you into what a vocational father. Because when you watch some of their movies, you notice that some of the guys, they serve. And when their term is about to end, they are rather accused and they go home empty-handed. Some of you, your life is at a place where your real biological or vocational parents or guardians did not give you anything. But your last resort is the spiritual father. David said in Psalm 27 verse 10, when my father and my mother abandoned me, the Lord took care of me. When my father and mother gave me nothing, the Lord gave me something. How did it happen? In First Samuel chapter 16, we are told that David, a small boy, young boy, had been sent to the back of the desert to take care of his father's sheep. When God in his mind said, he is the next king of Israel. Thank God for someone who was sensitive. Listen to me, child of God. Between you and the things God has prepared for you, sometimes, most of the times, 99.5% of the time, you need a mediator. This mediator is not Christ. This mediator is a spiritual father. Somebody who may not know you, but when he sees you, can identify the grace of God upon your life and usher you into your inheritance. Say, Amen. So you need spiritual fathers. You need it. Now amongst all the types of fatherhood I've talked about, what we need most are spiritual fathers. Now how do you identify a spiritual father? Quickly. How do you identify? Pastor, is everybody a spiritual father? No. Not every pastor is a spiritual father. The fact that the pastor you doesn't make you your spiritual fathers. Let me give you three points. That will help you to identify a spiritual father. Number one. They have your welfare at stake. They have what? 
they have your welfare, your interest at stake. When they meet with you, they ask you, how is the business going? How is school going? How is the trade you are learning going? There are some of you, a few times I've told you, they said, Pastor, I have left. I don't like the way they are treating me. And I say, go back. You see, a father does not tell you what you want to hear. He tells you what will bless your life. Don't make it difficult for your spiritual fathers to always say, oh, okay, okay, it is a trap to distraction. Avoid it. So three things that will help you identify your spiritual father, who a spiritual father is. Number one, they have your interest at heart. Say interest. And see, when somebody has your interest at heart, they don't always tell you what you want to hear. They tell you what will make your life better. Am I communicating? They tell you what what make your life better. Tell you what to make your life better. They tell you what to make your life better. Number one. Number two. Most of the time, you see them either where you are going or they are where you are going or they are on the path to where you are going. There is resemblance and likeness. That's the second point. Resemblance and what? So after the first one, noticing that they have interest in your life, they are challenging you to build capacity, they are challenging you to go. The second thing is that you either see, I remember the first time I met Apostle General, I knew this is where I'm going. I knew it. And this one is not an appetite or a desire. It is something that your spirit will bear witness with you. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you here with me? You are very quiet. If you are sleeping, you can stand on your feet wherever you are. It's fine. And number three. Number one, we said what? They have your welfare at heart. Number two, they become a reflection of your future. You see their lives and you say, this is where I'm going. Chai. Even if they are pastors, you can see in them. Maybe you are training to be a lawyer. You are training to be a doctor. You are training to be an engineer. You are training to be a designer or a hairdresser. But when you meet them, you see some level of excellence in them. And they are where you are going. Or they are almost there on their path to where you want to be. That's the second thing. And the third thing. The third thing. You see God in them. You see God in them. They are not manipulative. They don't manipulate you. They allow you to be yourself. Sometimes they can watch you misbehave and then they will tell you that it is well. And they say, hey, you don't know who I am. If you know who I am, you will submit. Fathers don't bully people. Praise the Lord. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 4. The Bible says, this honor no man taketh upon himself. This honor, no man takes it upon himself. It is God who ordains people as fathers. Am I communicating? So therefore, who is a spiritual father? A spiritual father is someone who is matured in the things of God. Comma. I didn't say who is old. 
Unfortunately, in our world, maturity comes with age. Because the youth, sometimes, we are rascals. A spiritual father is someone who is matured in the things of God, comma, points you to Christ, comma, teaches you the ways of Christ, comma, encourages you, comma, rebukes and corrects you when necessary. I mean, when I was going over my notes, I remember Dr. Ofori telling us one day he went to see his spiritual father. He said he's been going there. And every time he goes with a friend and then he'll ask him, is your friend married? He said, no, my friend just divorced. So the third time when he got there, his spiritual father said, Ofori, who is this one? He said, oh, it's my friend. Where is his wife? He's divorced. The man just looked at him and said, Ofori, giant pass here. You, you can't be a married man successfully when all your friends are divorcees. That's the, that's your spiritual father will tell you you vomit and summon for 100 years. You can even blacklist them on your phone. But you, they call spiritual fathers you will come. I pray God opens your eyes to learn and your heart to receive. Hallelujah. He said, my son, stop the stupidity. How can you want to succeed in marriage? And all your friends are people who have separated from their wives. It is stupidity. And he said, it took that rebuke for his eyes to clear. And then he realized that he was too free. He didn't need to be free with everybody. Amen. Amen. So let's go over it quickly. A spiritual father is someone who is matured in the things of God. Points you to Christ. Teaches you the ways of Christ, encourages you, rebukes and corrects you when necessary, and nurtures you till the best in you shows up. And nurtures you till the best in you shows up. Listen, the person you are relating to may be a mentor and not a father. Mentors usually don't rebuke. Mentors don't really care how you turn out. They just pass on information to you. But the father cares how you turn up. Hallelujah. Let me give you an example. My son, our son, Ivan, when he went to secondary school, not junior, senior secondary school, the school invited me to come for a meeting. And I was like, so he called and I said, Ivan, what have you done? He said, that you have done nothing. I said, okay. So when I went, I met the academic board, the principal, and all the people who matter. And this was it. They said, look, your son, his IQ is very high. And we want to talk to you as a father. Don't allow him to choose any subject. Because the children, they are such that they don't want to suffer. So they will choose the subjects that they won't stretch to do. But your son has a broad base to receive. Please, I'm not boasting. I'm, do- I'm giving you an example. So they said to me, they brought out, usually when they go, they do what they call academic search and counseling. So they brought out, when he went through that academic search and counseling, they brought out key points and they showed me. They say, you see, they say, you see, they say, you see, I said, yes. So I asked them, what do you encourage me? Because I can't also let him do what he will be coming home with, F, 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 
They said no. That's why we called you. He has the capacity. He must be pushed. Why didn't the school push it? It's because it's the job of a father to stretch you to your best limit. Put your hands together for that point. Ordinary people in your life, they say, oh, manage. Do what you can manage. Listen, you don't, you don't succeed and become influential on a normal field. You must stretch. Don't we have footballers in Ghana here? Why are we busy looking for as many as nine players who were born outside the country to change their citizenship to come and play for us? Because they are extraordinary. And these are young boys, 18, 20, 22. One of them was interviewed. He said, I mean, the things the guy said, I can't repeat it. He doesn't sleep, oh, he doesn't sleep eight hours. He does five hours a day. And he trains like a bulldozer. Put him in every field. No matter the defenders you put there, he will score. In a, in a, what? In a key. Small boy. Listen. Success belongs to those who will allow themselves to be stretched. Not those who, are, who want to be pampered. Watch pampering. It may kill you. Amen. Hallelujah. So let's go over it finally, then we'll make progress. A spiritual father is someone who is matured in the things of God, points you to Christ, teaches you the ways of God, of Christ, encourages, rebukes, and corrects you when necessary, and nurtures you till the best in you shows up. Amen. The matter of spiritual fatherhood is one of the most powerful truths in the Bible. It can be a source of great blessing if done properly by the Spirit of God. However, if done in the flesh, it can be one of the most damaging doctrines taught and that destroys people. The term spiritual fatherhood is grounded in Scripture. Amen. First Timothy, Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 2. So don't let anybody tell you, oh, it's not everything has ended in Christ, everything. Yes, everything ended in Christ. But the Bible says, I live in Christ. When he ascended on high, he gave gift unto men. One of the gifts is in fatherhood. It's not a calling. <laughs> like the fivefold. Titus chapter 1 verse 4. Okay, oh, sorry. Let's read First Timothy. Second Timothy 2, 1 and 2. And then we'll come to Titus 1 and 4. Second Timothy Chapter 1 verse 2. Paul, an apostle of Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus. Verse 2. To Timothy, a beloved son. But hello, apostle Paul didn't give birth to Timothy. He was a spiritual son. He said to Timothy what? A beloved son, grace, mercy and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. Titus 1 verse 4. Titus 1 verse 4, quickly. Please, my time is running, so let's... Titus 1 verse 4. To Titus, a true son in our common faith. So spiritual sonship, daughtership, and fatherhood is scriptural. Say, it is biblical. I can't hear you. Say, it is biblical. Now, ask your neighbor. Are you a son, a daughter, or a bastard? Ask them, are you... Which one are you? Are you a daughter or a bastard? Are you a son or a bastard? Look, 
listen, don't let anybody shake their head. Let them open their mouth and tell you. Then ask them, ask them. Are you? Hallelujah. Now, how can I connect to a spiritual father? Five keys, quickly. How can I connect to a spiritual father? Remember, I said that you don't automatically become a son or a daughter. You don't. We have seen a lot of scriptures pointing to that. So, five keys that will help you connect as a son or a daughter. You must establish, first of all, by acknowledgement that the father has something you need. Establish that this person has something you need. And I'm not talking about his car or his house. I'm talking about something this man, you know this man carries something. If I get that thing, my life will change. Come on, am I communicating? Hello. I will go over it quickly. Number one, establish by first of all, acknowledging that the father has something you need. Establish it. Be clear in your mind. I remember one day I was going to Sunyane and I was very late. I didn't have a car then. I had to go and come and come and live, praise and worship at church by 7 p.m. I mean, this was long ago, about 20 and 50, right? So about 20, 22 years ago, 22 years ago, 23 years ago. So fortunately, when I got to Kumasi, I had a Kufuria car. When I got to Kufuria, I had a car to Kumasi. Part there, when I got to Kumasi, 12 o'clock, the car I saw, if I sit in it, I'll get to Sunyane 3 p.m. I stood there and I said, no, 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 I can't join this car. But it was going to Sunyane. So I just asked the driver, from here to Sunyane, that was the first time I had won a contract and I was going to survey the place and introduce myself to the consultants and all that. Then, he told me, he said, have you seen this Pijo Pijo? They will take you there in 40 minutes. And I said, I like him. So I joined. And I took it alone. I sat in the middle seat. I sat in the middle seat and held it. I knew it was risky, but I needed to get there on time. Listen, sometimes there are things you must ask yourself. Will it take me to my destination? And take the risk. Life after all is a risk taking venture. Risk nothing and get nothing. You must risk it. Those of us who got married, it's not because we had all the money. And you believe that this woman will be available to you. You believe that this man will, will you can partner together and you build something. So you make sacrifices. Instead of eating two balls of banku and three meat, you now eat two balls, one ball of banku and hot pepper. Meat can wait. can wait. You think you, you think you can have everything on a platter of gold? You must pay a price. There is nothing free. Even your salvation is not free. Someone paid for it. Come on, am I communicating? Are you learning something? So you must first of all identify that this person I want to call my spiritual father has something I need. His way of life. His doctrine. His, his I, 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 Listen, I can give you all the clothes I wear you will not get transference of spirit. Some of you, you are busy. When we close on church, you are looking out for the watch of the man of God, his shoe or his handkerchief. Papa, I want a mantle. Mantles are caught by first of all, acknowledging that that is what you need. When Elijah said he was going, why didn't Elijah return? 
He told him, return. He said, no, 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 no. I'm not returning. I'm going with you. Why? Because he recognized that Elijah had something he needed as the man of God. So he paid the price. So first of all, recognize that this man has something you need. Second of all, honor. Say honor. Tell your neighbor, honor. In fact, get up out of your seat. Tell 10 people, mark the word honor. Tell them. Mark the word honor. Everybody, 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 get out of your seat. Some of you, the seats are too comfortable. We are going to manufacture benches, benches, and put them here for you. Tell them, mark the word honor. Mark the word honor. Mark it. Mark the word honor. The two of you, mark the word honor. Mark it. Mark it. Please quickly come back to your seats. Let's finish. Market, market. If you want to converse, when we close, go to the person and converse. This one I said, go, just tell them, mark the word honor. Mark the word honor. Market, 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 market. Hallelujah. So, right, honor. It's the second key that will help you connect to a spiritual father. If you lack honor, you will never be connected, even if you give him all the money in the world. Money does not buy. In fact, if you want something from a spiritual father and you lack honor, you attract a case. It is not serious. You attract a case. Money cannot buy you a connection, a relationship with a spiritual father. It is honor. Malachi 1, 6 to 8. Malachi 1, 6. Honor. Tell somebody, honor. What is honor? Honor is recognizing somebody in who they are but not what they do because some good people sometimes do stupid things and we all do true or false oh you won't say okay true or correct both I have some people around me very very interesting people but sometimes they do one of the most dumbest thing mumu and you wonder, is this this person that really did it? And especially when you are dealing with spiritual fathers like me, who are so open, you know, we don't really put boundaries. See, there was a man of God in this nation. I believed God wanted me to submit to. I went to his office. When I was leaving the office, I knew that this is not a relationship for me. I went to his office dropped a fat offering of dollars. I won't mention the figure because you think I'm a fool. I'm not. And he came in. Oh, thank you, thank you. God bless you. But sit down. Why did you sow this seed? I said, well, I want you to be a mentor to me. Then he asked me, do you have a spiritual father? I said, yes. He said, what is your understanding of spiritual father? I said, well, I don't think you can have too many fathers because you'll be confused. You need one. Any other person is an instructor. And I need you to be an instructor. Then he said, let me see your church resolution. Let me see your church registration. Let me see your church. I showed him all. Then the final thing. How is your income? That one I didn't answer. Because directly I got to know that. He wanted to see if the relationship will benefit him financially or not. I knew I didn't have anything to do. 
In fact, that decision, let me confess, I was eager to establish that relationship because most of my friends then were in a relationship with that man of God. So later I called one and I said, is that what he said? Oh, sorry, we didn't tell you. On your pesca. I know this message, when some of the fathers hear it, I'm in trouble. But truth is one. It is not two. It is one. I knew it right away. That one I didn't answer. So he said, wouldn't you answer? I said, well, sir, I didn't really, I don't get an income and all that. He said, no, what is it? I said, sir, let's leave it like that. I, I will go, I will come back. And I left. Never went back to him. Recently, he met me in a program in Accra. Was a, a private uh, wedding I attended twice, and a private um, what do you call it? A private funeral. I think I mentioned to you. I attended. Just they called me because I was playing a major role. I was the one who was praying for the family um, for the funeral, and then the wedding. I was the one who did the exhortation, the preaching, and the blessing of the, the message. I me, mean, I didn't even know he had seen me because I didn't see him. But when I closed, I was just walking to my car. I heard someone clap when I turned. He was the one. Yeah. You see, I while I had come to you 15 years ago in a taxi, and he didn't believe me. I mean, the way he spoke, he said so many things, and I knew people had been talking to him. Hey, you are building a big auditorium. This is the time you need us to give you affirmation. Affair what? Nothing even annoys me. The affair does not an- annoy me like the mission. <laughs> How are you? How are you? When we were rejected, we were put on billboards, and somebody will go and speak a word of negativity, and we will be dropped from a program without even being told. You drive to the location before the church members tell you the program has been cancelled. Where were you? Where were you when we were being dishonored, accused falsely? Who marries a wife and kills him in his right senses? Where were you? I'm not personal, I'm preaching. Some of you, you are too naive. Suddenly, when people want to get into your life, you forget those who have been loyal to you from the beginning because of newfound love. Go on. Amen. Honor. You cannot relate to a man you can't honor. No matter what you know. Honor is, you see, God in his wisdom made it in such a way that honor opens doors, prayer cannot open. Because if you can walk in honor, it shows your level of maturity in the things of God. Malachi 1 verse 6. As a son honors his father and a servant his master, if then, sorry, a son honors his father, hallelujah. So if you are a son, you must walk in honor. And a servant is master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? And if I am the master, where is my reverence? Says the Lord of hosts. To you priests who despise my name, yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? Verse 7. You offer defiled food on my altar. And this is not offering. What he's saying is that, and I'm speaking to you, choristers, ushers, and instrumentalists. God says that you can't give him your spare time. It is lack of honor. Hey, man, remove the spares and look at my face well. 
You can't give him what? Your spare time. See, guys, me, this time I have decided I'm 50. My heart must be strong. Some of me me know that the well is deep no so he says you offer defiled food on my altar most of us here we can't give God our best we can't oh pastor Shabo here I must go and play Shabo at least our church and I can speak boldly we meet twice a week Sunday the next gathering is going to be a Friday in between this there is one meeting called cell fellowship or house fellowship it's a phone call maximum of one hour 15 minutes Abby and some leaders, I have been told that some of you, your people have been hijacking the meetings. They don't come for the meetings. You are the one I instruct. No matter the revelation they have, stop them when they are crossing. Amen. Amen. Anything with two heads is a beast. That's why even when two people get married, one is the head. Not all of them are heads. Guide the meetings. That's what you are supposed to do. Don't let them hijack and share revelations that you cannot even see the tail and the head of it off. How of you, you talk too much. You talk too much and we can't even know what you are talking about. And you see the Lord says, and you, what, what is the Lord saying? The Lord is simply saying that there are voices that speaks to us. The voice is either from God, the voice is either from your flesh, or it is from the devil. If you have no example to give, shut up. Let the meeting progress. Amen. He said, you offer defiled food on my altar. Anytime you think, you think in your mind, eh, that God should be secondary. You are offering a defiled food. Yesterday, let me tell you my itinerary. I woke up at 2 a.m. It's not as if I slept, but I woke up at 2 a.m. When I say I woke up, it means officially I got out of bed. I sat down. I prayed till four. And when I finished praying, I worked on the devotional. I posted it. When I finished, it was 4.45. I had to read the scriptures. I post you. I post for you to read. Further, the Bible plan. I read myself. When I finished, I had to now do my own personal Bible study. And it was five. We were traveling at 5.30. I quickly had my bath, sat behind the steering with my family. We went to Accra. After that, we had to meet manager to transact some business. We met him and we were in a hurry to Akosombo. We got to Akosombo exactly 2.36. I just had lunch. We took our shirts and we were here and we went for evangelism. Yesterday, when they got there, I deliberately decided that today I won't step out because my message was not complete. I knew what I was going to teach, but I had to dream it to be within the one hour. You can't make excuses and excel. And listen, anytime God feels that something in your life is competing with him, he will kill that thing. 
Oh yes, it is a matter of time. Wait and see. Because he says, I the Lord, I change not. And I'm a jealous God. God does not say. Students, are you here? Stop using your books as an excuse. You can read. There is time to read. And there is time to also do spiritual things. Don't read all the time. I don't hear John pray. People will even read all the time. By the time the exam results come. Okay, okay. That's another conversation. Honor. Say honor. I can't hear you. Say honor. So he says, when you offer defiled food on my altar, but say, in what way have we defiled you? When you give God half-hearted commitment, is defilement. Half-hearted commitment. By saying, the table of the Lord is contemptible. Oh, but pastor, I mean, this thing, am I the only one who must do it? Thank God that for now, the church, the body of Christ, eh, the Christ who died on the cross is counting on you to do something. It's a privilege. Don't begin to show off and you take us to ransom. When we need you, you are not there. So we are at your wings and caprices. Listen, judgment is coming. And the Bible says it will start in the house of God. Let's, I've seen this. I've been a church boy since I was 11 years old. And my mother, she, she knows. We have been part of choir with gifted people. Today, they are not even in the faith anymore. Oh, Pastor, I'm going to program. Pastor, who will come and lead praise and worship? Oh, Pastor, let's train people to do it. They went, they went, they went, they went. Eventually, they found themselves in prison. Because whenever you put the things upon second, your own relationship and commitment suffers. And listen, when you are drifting away, you may not even recognize it. Be careful. Tell your neighbor, be careful. Honor. Verse 8. Child, this message. Can I finish it? It's what is the... And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, offering time, you go through your pocket. Then you take the money that is dirty. Oh, because the church will take it to the bank. Why don't you take it to the bank? See, honor begins with little things. Little, little, little things. Don't wait. They say, ah, God... I've made two million. This is one million. That is not honor. It begins with how you approach the little things. The room is becoming hot, right? Very hot. You need it. You need it. Blind as sacrifice. Listen, he said, Is it not evil? Some of you, you are here. The church is doing welfare. You are not part. Because you have another group somewhere. At that one, there is chilling involved. The Bible says it is evil. Stop it. And when you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably? Says the Lord of hosts. My brothers and sisters, honor is done fully by revelation and dutifully. Number three, that's how you connect to the anointing, the spiritual father. Show interest and strong commitment to the father's business. 
show interest. Say interest. And strong commitment in the father's business. Show it. Let me tell you. If you want to know how God feels about you, ask yourself, how do I feel about the work of God? Simplicity. If you want to know how God feels about you, ask yourself, how, what is my behavior towards the work of God? If it is anyhow, God feels about you anyhow. Don't deceive yourself. And don't think that a few songs of mercy will change the mind of God. Show interest and strong commitment to the father's business, your spiritual father's business. Jesus said in Luke chapter 2 verse 48 and 50, you can read that later. He said, you know, this scripture, I love it. The Bible says that they went for a census. On their way back, Jesus got missing. They were looking for him. They didn't find him. When they found him, the parents were very angry and said, why did you treat us like this? And he said, my friend, do you know who I am? I must be about my father's business. If you show interest in the business of your father, it registers as commitment and it is an advantage for you. Luke chapter 2, 48 to 50. Number four, loyalty. Show loyalty. Loyalty means be there. Be there. You should be counted on. When all is said and done, they know that they can count on you. Count on you. Loyalty. 2 Timothy 4.16. Let's read that one. 2 Timothy 4.16. Paul said, at my last trial, you all deserted me. And then listen to the prayer he prayed. Charlie, loyalty, don't joke with loyalty. If you lack loyalty, most likely God is not looking at your way. Look at what Paul said. Number four, loyalty. He said, at my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsake me. May it not be charged against you. He didn't say, God, don't charge it. He said, may, because he knew that God responds to loyalty and disloyalty differently. Be careful. You have to show loyalty. Number five. Know the needs of the father and meet it willingly, cheerfully, tearfully, and timely. When Pastor Mark was talking about tears, I was just laughing. I said, this guy has seen my notes. Know the needs of the father. My father is Apostle General Sam Kranchiankra. I know what he wants. Like today, Father's Day, his birthday, these two things, he doesn't joke with it. And if you meet him on these two areas, child, child, listen, every father has a price. It's not bought, it's met. <laughs> Can I repeat that? Every spiritual father has a price. You can't buy it. You meet that price. When Isaac was about to die, what did he say? I'm about to go the way of all men. Bring me venison that I may what? Bless you. The father has something, but it is not given for free. You must meet a condition. Listen, my emphasis on that scripture in Genesis 27 is not the venison. It's on the fact that the fathers have something. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you here with me? Know the needs of the father and meet it willingly, cheerfully, cheerfully and timely. 
without the feeling of compulsing and struggle. The Father, I should be able to call you Grace. I'm broke. In fact, it is even a disadvantage for you for me to say I'm broke. You should know. So when I say it, number one, you have even failed. Yeah, this conversation is an elevated one. As a child, you have failed. Because you should know. You have failed. Because remember we said that you should do what? You should meet his needs. Willingly, cheerfully, tearfully, and timely. Timely. Second, Second Samuel 23, 13 to 17. You can read it on your own. Second Samuel 23. Second Samuel 23. Second Samuel chapter 23, 13 to 17. So five things that will connect you to a spiritual relationship with a father. Number one. You must establish that he has something you need. Number two, walk in honor. Number three, show interest and strong commitment to your father's business. Number four, walk in loyalty. Number five, know the needs of the father and meet it. Quickly, dangerous to watch out for and run for your life. When you are in a spiritual relationship and you see these five things, run away. Number one, manipulation. Say manipulation. When you see that you are being manipulated. This person who calls himself your spiritual father is isolating you from everybody. Don't relate with this one. Don't relate to this one. He always has something negative to say about people. He's not a good person. Even God in heaven, who sees our going in and out, does he report you to anybody? Voila. When you see manipulation, run away. Number two, when you see fear and intimidation, anytime you meet them, they are sharing one revelation with you, which is fearful, which makes you feel that if you cut away from them, you will suffer. They are not true spiritual fathers. Some of you can relate with what I'm sharing. When you see fear and intimidation, run away. Maybe initially you may not see, but suddenly you have started a relationship with the spiritual father and anytime you go around him, he is telling you things that are fearful, that makes you totally depend on only him, not even God. Run away. It's a danger. Number three, this spiritual father is always not available for you, but whenever you see his calls, it means he has a need. Run away. See, as a father of this commission, if I tell you the secrets I keep, sometimes I ask myself, am I not being a partaker of people's sins? But that is fatherhood. Fathers, you don't open your mouth to say everything you know. Amen. I keep people's secrets. Because as a father, people should be comfortable to tell you whatever it is in their lives. And it must remain with you. But when you see that your father is not there, when you call him, oh, I'm in a meeting, I will call you in the evening. His call never came, never comes. Oh, I'm busy, I will get in touch with you. He never gets in touch with you. And it's not one day, it's not two days. That has been the pattern. He is only available when you are going to bless him. Run away. Number four. When he no longer points you to Christ, all his teaching, you see, there are deep things I can't share with you, you know. There are deep things I can't share with you. When you grow, you will understand. You see, we stand with God on a very special place. There are things we can't say. My friend, my friend, 
my friend, run away. Nobody is bigger than God. Why? What is that? Why are you doing that? Somebody's work. He called us to come and do it. Now you want to bully everybody. You see, you people, if you know who I am in the spirit, hey, once we can't see who you are in the physical, forget about who you are in the spirit. Forget it. Anybody speaks like that, they are trying to manipulate you. Run! Let your two legs carry you as fast as you can. And you people, this church, I know most of you, you go to other fellowships. Have I ever spoken about it? Some of you, after coming to pray in this nice environment, you go and stand on the park and they introduce a prayer topic. Five minutes. By the time you finish praying, you have killed mosquitoes 20 times. The prayer is not even focused. But you still go in the name of Jesus. The demons in my house, I bind them. These mosquitoes. Meanwhile, you say you are praying, bro. In the name of Jesus. And you can't see that you are the demon worrying yourself. see the person pointing you to Christ right away and finally when he is not also telling the truth because he does not want to offend you anybody who sugarcoats everything to you be careful of them there are some truths you tell I remember in March I had traveled a day before my birthday and I had gone to preach somewhere Pastor Mark was preaching wonderful preaching but I had issues with it. Ask him. I called him. And I said, Mark, you did well. But you harm yourself by not speaking all the truth. Didn't I? And don't say, oh, because he did well. Oh, no, no, no. It doesn't matter what he didn't say. Hey, you, you are dealing with a grandmother who is blind. You have a soul. And when she says, bring the soul for me to, to, to me for you. Soul for me to treat for you, you give her the right, the wrong leg, and then when she puts the hot water on you, are shouting, IJ, IJ, you are just doing rehearsal for an amputation. Don't create the environment where your spiritual father cannot tell you the truth, it is to your head. I thought I was going to get a bigger amen for that. You should be. It's a blessing when you are rebuked. The Bible says to the wise, a rebuke is like an oil on the head. To the wise. Don't go away and explaining. This is where Papa has changed. Papa has changed. I have not changed. I have not. Benefits, finally. Oh, praise God, I'm finishing. Charlie? Run away when your father cannot tell you the truth. Anytime you have a spiritual father who can't tell you that this is what you did, it's wrong, don't do it again. You are in trouble. Finally, benefits. Benefit number one. Why do I need a spiritual father? Why, why, why? Pastor, why? Why do I need one? Number one, he gives you covering and shield you from errors and mistakes that are life-threatening. Covering. Spiritual father gives you covering. Yes, God covers us from everything and God delivers us from harm. But when we talk about the covering of a spiritual father, it is in his counsel. He tells you, this thing you want to follow, be careful. Watch A, B, C, D. He is preventing you from hurting yourself. So number one, a true spiritual father gives you covering and shield you from errors and mistakes that are life-threatening. Number two, he sets the wind in your sail. 
and I will explain that. He sets the wind in your sail. It means that everybody needs a push to become who God wants you to be. That word, that encouragement, that which will, will fire you up and crack you up is in the mouth of your spiritual father. Hallelujah. I mean, at a point in time in my life, I was considering relocating to the greater Accra region or even out of the country till all of you, you were here during my ordination in 2013. Apostle General confirmed my existence in this region as never before. He says, I see God has made you a father, not just in this city, but from the Eastern Corridor, the voter area. And that's why we are comfortable here. My father, and listen, by the grace of God, when I preach in Ho, when I preach in Kufru, that you have no idea that influence. It's a sign. I can you imagine? My friends were telling me, Kali, move to Accra. Move to Accra. That's why the big crowd is. It's as if God called us to crowds. So when I say he sets the wind in your sail, it means that he leads you, he helps you to walk on the right path. Number three, he gives you access to inheritance you may never be able to have on your own. Say Access. Can you imagine how was David going to be a king in the wilderness? It took the prophet Samuel to say, We are not sitting down till he comes. Your spiritual father, no matter where, how far you have wandered, will wait for your arrival and position you in your prophetic destiny. Did you get that? He gives you access to inheritance. Number four, he leads you into your prophetic destiny, like Saul and David. With prophet Samuel. Saul was looking for donkeys. Samuel changed that destination. David was shepherding. Samuel changed that destination. When you meet your true spiritual father, the benefit is that he will let you identify your true prophetic destiny and you will manifest it. Number five, he teaches you the deeper ways of God. Amen. And when I say deeper ways of God, I mean the true spirituality. First Samuel chapter 3, 1 to 9. Samuel was called a prophet. He didn't even know the voice of God. Can you imagine? A prophet who cannot hear the voice of God. Hey, First Samuel chapter 3, 1 to 9. The Bible says God called him. And he thought it was Eli. Seven times in the night, he couldn't identify the voice of God. So Eli said, my friend, this is God calling you. Go and lie down. When you hear the voice again, say, speak your servant heard. And that's how it is recorded from verse 10. The first prophecy of Samuel. It was through the counsel of a spiritual father. Your spiritual father will teach you the deeper ways of God. Ways that are not clear to the eyes. Ways that no book has written about. He has experienced it. There are more. He is a shoulder. He is a giant whose shoulders you can stand on to enter into bigger things. There are more, but this five or six is okay. Shall we rise to our feet?